Welcome to Flock Talk, a podcast of GCF North. Flock Talk exists to inform, encourage, and inspire. This is your host, Dave Farley, lead pastor at GCF North. This is Season 1, Episode 5. I'm joined today by Brian Dixon, John Kirshner, and Riley Mason. And today's sponsors are... We don't have any sponsors yet. <laughs> if only we had Maybe some sponsors. Corner, yeah. Who? Riley's business. <laughs> that's that's yeah. right, Riley's business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking like Chick-fil-A, maybe, yes. or Certipro. Or healthy, healthy fats. Healthy yeah. fats, Chick-fil-A, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, today we have the privilege uh, of hearing Riley Mason's story, and John knows Riley much better than I do, so I'm going to hand it off to John, Yeah. and uh, we're going to listen in and hear an amazing story of God's grace. Yeah. I, uh, I can say this. I think Riley is one of my favorite people at GCF. Getting to know him has been... Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, one of. One of. Not the, <laughs> okay. but one of. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right up there. I'm crying tears right yeah, now. Yeah, it's right a single tear. Yeah. yeah. So, Riley, great to talk to you today. Yeah, um, super happy to be here. Glad you're here. So, just just tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, age, where you grew up. Let's just start there. Yeah, definitely. So, grew up, uh, born and raised Spokane, Washington. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I, uh, 29 years old. I have a now six-year-old daughter. She just turned six this month. So wow. Patty. That was pretty cool. Yeah, Patty. And uh, yeah, she's doing really well, too. So, um, so, so where'd you go to high school? I went to Shadow Park for three and a half years, got in some trouble, and graduated from North Central. So Okay, the Highlanders. Yeah, Highlanders and then Indians, which is now... Wolfpack. The Wolfpack. Ah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I, I did want to ask you just about your high school years and your early twenties. Can you just share a little bit yeah. uh, about that period in your in your life? Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I was fifteen years old, you know, it's just a tough time to be a, a kid, I guess. And uh, uh, my dad got a DUI, and uh, my girlfriend broke up with me, and you know, I was just going through some difficult emotions and. Uh, uh, some some friends offered me marijuana, and and that really kind of overtook the next uh, six seven years of my life. Um, not just to that, but to a much more bigger degree. It just uh, the obsession just grew and grew and grew um, as I aged, and and more challenging emotions came along. And so, um, you know, by the grace of God, I, I graduated high school. I have no idea how. Like I said, I was in trouble a lot. I uh, did a lot of uh, stupid things. Um, I went to rehab the psych ward my senior year, um, and and luckily made it out with a with a um, diploma. Yeah, so uh, which I don't think I could even get a GED right now, even if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> it would take a lot of studying. Uh, I just don't have the book smarts. But um, yeah, so going forward into that after graduation, uh, I was working at my first job, Arby's, which I thought I was going to be a lifer at for sure. Free I, free beef and cheddars. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I love yeah, Arby's. It was, it was fantastic. fantastic. I love Arby's. Yeah, that love, beef and yeah. cheddar is so hard to beat. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but in that time period, uh, I got introduced to methamphetamine. So, um, that pretty much just wiped me out at that point. So, um, quit my job. Didn't talk to my parents. Was pretty much living in the streets, living in random trap houses. Uh, you know, just on the hunt for drugs, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Um, you know, and then there be- became a point where, uh, well, actually, before that point, I got arrested for stealing sunglasses from Walmart. Second degree robbery, third degree assault. How, I don't know. I didn't, you know, you gra- they grab you, you pull away, that's assault. So, um, 
got arrested for that, got out, you know, realized like this is this is pretty serious. Like I'm gonna have to change something, but still struggled. Um, and then one day I just got up, walked home, just walked home to my my uh, my mom's house. She wasn't home. <laughs> so I got a sip of water out of her out of her uh, hose, and I and I walked a few more blocks to my grandma's house, who called my dad. My dad came pick me up, and so that was the first time after methamphetamines that I was like, I'm gonna try to try to do this thing. So, um, but I didn't I didn't quit all things. I continued to smoke weed and uh, drink alcohol and things. And uh, uh, they offered me a drug court opportunity, uh, which a lot of people don't speak highly about, but it was actually a really good opportunity, and there's a lot of benefits. Um, if you're serious about change and so um, yeah just very intensive outpatient type mm -hmm. things and uh, but I did not take that very seriously the first six months I was I was drinking alcohol you just have to pre pass a breathalyzer uh, which is very easy and then you know trying to do like cocaine on the weekends like you know Friday mm -hmm. maybe I won't get drug tested Monday by Tuesday I'll be okay um, and then uh, at that time it weirdly thinking about it the girlfriend that broke up with me in high school we, we were back together at this point and now she and now she cheated on me mm. and my life crumbled from that point so um i took the the took it serious at that point moved out of that apartment moved into an oxford house um where i was like okay sobriety is the way to be you know but this is all narcotics anonymous higher power this is how you're going to change and so uh, that change lasted for for a good chunk but once i was out on my own again mm -hmm. outside of the oxford house crumbled away again um, and then just one week bender of methamphetamines again and I was like I'm done I'm done I can't continue to do this I was trying to trying to rally all these addicts when I was out there I was like come to a meeting with me I'm getting sober on Thursday I'm getting sober on Thursday come to a meeting with me and unfortunately none of them actually did but um, you know I did see a few of those people get sober later on and, and continue to be sober per Facebook standards so um, and you're how old at this point well, I'm 29 now. I've been sober for eight years, so eight years ago, 21. Yeah, 21 years old. Yeah. So well, yeah, I just made that made that decision at that point. You know, January 22nd, uh, 2015. So, um, but again, Narcotics Anonymous based. I did that real strong for a year. Um, got into um, a pretty good rhythm, but there was just a lot of things I didn't like about the program. Uh, a lot of dramas and things that just. A lot of pain associated it and then uh, then I had a child so um, you know we weren't together long term or anything it was more of a hey by the way I'm pregnant so that was pretty life changing for me at that moment and I was like I really got to step it up so uh, but continue to just kind of white knuckle it you know like yeah there's a higher power yeah I know I need to be sober but mm -hmm. this is all the things and so um, it wasn't until you guys started the Gospel of John where somebody decided to invite me to church and uh, just so happens to be my maintenance guy at work and um, yeah, I just felt obligated. Was that um, Tony? Stephen. Stephen, Stephen Caselli. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. tell us, tell us about that. How, how you met Jesus, how you, yeah. how you wound up at GCF. Yeah, definitely. So Stephen invited me to church, real great guy. I mean, he's been my maintenance guy at work for a long, long time. Uh, we've had a lot of good conversations, but this was the first ever offer. Like, hey, we're starting this this new gospel. I think it's a good time for you and your daughter to maybe join us. So, uh, you know, I had that obligation where, I'll, okay, I'll show up for you, you know. And so, and I've always had the idea of like, and I like the idea of church and, you know, maybe that'll substitute for Narcotics Anonymous, you know, find mm -hmm. some, some kind of community. 
Um, you know, so I wasn't totally opposed to the idea, but I did come to church and leave and thinking, wow, they're pretty crazy. You know, they believe this stuff. And so, um, you know, but I was like, but there was still a message. I could still hear a really strong message um, and a lot of hope. So um, I continued to come every weekend. Um, but again, I probably wouldn't have continued if I didn't have somebody there going to be like, hey, I didn't see you this Sunday. Where are you? Yeah. You know, because I'm just that type. I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, uh, so, so growing up, had you ever been to church before in your life? Uh, so in when I was in rehab, we used to go to celebrate recovery at Family of Faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a gal from high school took me to church a couple times when I got out of rehab. But nothing ever, and nothing ever stuck. My mom was uh, very, I would say, anti-religious. Yeah. So yeah. Um, very strong in that sense. So um, yeah, I never really was exposed. And and you you have a very you had a very interesting strategy for keeping people at arm's length when you came to church yeah yeah which surprised me so so front. yeah sitting right in the front yeah 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 so I, I get a lot of anxieties and you know it kind of just stresses me out and I don't initiate a lot of conversation so generally somebody's gonna have to approach me to start a conversation and so uh, sitting in the front you don't have to make eye contact with anybody there's no distractions you know it's just you pastor preaching worship you know and so it's pretty good I mean, Try to encourage others, you know. I've seen a couple people come up there, but they don't last long. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think, you know, you make assumptions. And so with you sitting right up front, I think I assumed, oh, this is a guy that's really engaged, really. He's a probably a Christian. And then we struck up a conversation yeah. after church one Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I think you I think you said Basically, yeah, I'm not a Christian. Yeah, yeah. You asked me the question, "How long have you been a Christian?" And I said, "I'm not." Yeah. And you were just like, "Can we go get some coffee?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And we did. And we did. Yeah, we met like uh, weekly, almost there for a couple weeks, and yeah. I got to express some of my concerns on on how I felt. You know, primary family was keeping me away from Jesus. How they were gonna receive me? So. Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Because, because I remember that conversation. What was it like telling your family about your faith in Jesus for the first time? It was like telling them I had an unplanned child. You know, it was the same amount of fear of like, man, they're going to be so upset with me and they're going to be devastated that I'm doing this to them like I'm hurting them because hmm. my mom's so anti about it. It's like, it's almost like I'm intentionally doing it to hurt her. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, and I have hurt her a lot through my addiction, man. I can't even imagine the amount of pain that I put her through, but all my family. So, you know, this was just another thing to just put on top of that pile of, of pain. And, uh, but that, that wasn't enough to hold me back. I mean, through our conversations, I was able to, to get through that. Yeah. And they, they, they attended when you were baptized, right? They yeah. did. Yeah. They did. Yeah. 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 My mom, my dad. Uh, my aunt Kathy and her family, yeah, they're uh, they go to crossover, so um, yeah, and so that was pretty good. I had a pretty good, pretty good amount of support there. Um, yeah, fortunately, none of them have came again, but you know that's all right. You know, maybe one day. That's so, great. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I want to ask you about your your work at Cornerstone, yeah. and how did how did you begin working there? Take us through that, and then. And through the process of now being the owner of Cornerstone Court, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yep, yep. So, um, 
Yeah, I was working at Moran Vista up on the South Hill prior to that. I was a caregiver, med tech, management. Uh, I had my daughter and it was just not gonna work. Salary position, working 60, 70 hours a week uh, for pennies. Um, you know, and I was just like, I can't go through this stress. Uh, applied for a job, Cynthia called me up and said, I'm interested and I'm like, all right, cool. So took this caregiving job, just, you know, from management back to caregiving. I didn't want the stress of it. And so, uh, but I worked my way up into a supervisor position and then worked my way up into a management position. And so uh, 2019, her husband, he had been diagnosed with cancer, but it came back with a vengeance and she needed to spend time with him. And so uh, she really relied on me to just run the facility day to day, uh, the day to day operations. And so um, that was kind of like my first step into that process, but never was I ever going to think that Oak Cornerstone's going to be mine one day. And we joked about it and, you know, people that we, you know, oh, when are you going to give it to Riley? You know, something like that. But it was never serious in my mind. I didn't want that, um, at least at the time. And so, um, yeah, about two years prior to the actual purchase of the building, uh, or the purchase of the company, I don't own the building. Um, yeah, she, uh, she made the offer and we just kind of worked through that. And what's interesting is, and I was just telling Chris outside, but uh, you know, I wasn't a believer when the offer was made. And in this transition of purchasing this company and, and getting ready for that, Stephen invites me to church and, and I keep showing up every Sunday and I start meeting with John and then I'm interested in community group and then I want to get baptized. So all these things are happening and then I just, you know, confess my faith in Jesus Christ and then now I own a business. And, and not to say that that's why, but that was just so God's work. Like, I can't imagine being in my position right now not having Jesus on my side. Mm -hmm. I really can't. You know, I would just have crumbled away by now. The, the amount of stress and just yeah, a lot of challenges that we go through, uh, I would just crumble apart. It would be just like back at Moran Vista where it was like, I've had it. I'm done. I don't want it. Um, you know. I, I was going to ask that, like, how does following Jesus, um, and maybe, maybe you already answered this question, or maybe you can say more, how does following Jesus change, you know, how you approach owning this business, caring yeah. for the people at Cornerstone? Yeah, it's just, it's just, I try to have a much more Christ-minded thoughts throughout everything that I'm doing. And so whether that's empathy for my residents or empathy for my staff, um, you know, and just overcoming those challenges. But um, honestly, through prayer is one of the biggest things, you know, it's just to like, hey, take this. I can't, I can't hold this. I can't carry this, um, you know, and, and he just removes it, you know, and, and it's, it's not like the problem's not still there because there are going to be things that have to be dealt with. But um, I can see his will at work right now. And, and I will say right now too, I'm in a very challenging position where I've had staff member no call, no show, and then another one quit, you know, you know, so I just like lost like four or five staff members. Wow. And then it's just like, you know, I don't know what to do, but you know, God's gonna, God's gonna make it work because he always has, and you know, he's gonna be faithful in that sense. So. Wow, yeah. thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Can, can you speak to how um, your community group, how, how, um, God has helped you, strengthened you, encouraged you yeah. in the context of your community group. Yeah, definitely. So um, Brian and Lisa Ulrich, fantastic. Um, yeah, they just oh, they just took me right in, no problem. Um, you know, so they've been really encouraging and just kind of a really great asset to to 
um, to have. And they're just so intentional in the summer, always ensuring to invite me over to, for a fire or, you know, go out for breakfast or something. You know, it's just very, very kind of them where I'm just not a planner and I'm not intentional. And it's like, unless I get invited, I'm not going to do anything. So, um, you know, just them alone. But yeah, the group has just really allowed me to open up, um, you know, just about struggles that I'm having and um, just getting that, just that uh, better insight, you know, because I just get so crowded in myself and to just get exposed and, and you know, hear scripture and hear other people's problems just helps me, you know, put it all back to Christ. So. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like, too, at times you've had some other business owners that have been able to, to help you even as you were, you know, thinking about and transitioning yeah. to ownership. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, super blessed. We have a lot of business owners in my community group, actually. So, um, huge asset to have them and to, uh, you know, bounce questions off them. Um, get a referrals from them for you know certain people insurance and stuff like that uh, so that's been extremely helpful and you know just even challenging me because you know I'm talking to community group like yeah, I'm in the process of buying this uh, this business and they're like oh yeah you know did you get the PNL PNL. <laughs> <laughs> was it was that Aaron or or, or uh, it was Joel, Joel Tampion? Yeah, yeah, Joel was like, get the PNL. I'm like, no, no. He's like, well, you know, how how well is the business doing? I'm like, I haven't looked at any of that. I just assumed it's profitable. <laughs> so you know, and I'm kind of embarrassed. Like here I am in this in a process of purchasing this company, just under the word of, hey, this could be profitable, but. I don't really know. I don't know mm -hmm. the ins and outs of it. You know, I don't know how much we pay for rent. I don't know how much we, you know, I know payroll is quite a, our biggest cost, but, you know, other than that, I had mm -hmm. no idea. So, uh, you know, being able to get those papers, and she wasn't, like, trying to keep any of that from me. You know, she was, uh, she was trying to, you know, show me the ropes, but she kind of figured it out all on her own, too. So it wasn't, like, something she was a pro at either, and so... Uh, you know, and then he kind of took a look and had his guys look at it and be like, everything looks good, almost too good. And I'm like, so that made me feel pretty good going into the, going into the business. So. Wow, that's, that's great help. Yeah, and yeah, support. huge, huge. Tell, talk, you mentioned your daughter, Adeline, Addie, mm -hmm. six years old. Six years old. How, how has following Jesus changed how you parent? Oh my gosh, so much, so much. I hate that I was the parent that, uh, that I never wanted to be, you know, just, mm. I was always yelling and, you know, she was just never meeting the bar and what I expected of her and, and to express that appropriately to her was difficult for me. You know, it just turned, it was a yelling match pretty much. That was, that was parenting for me. And, um, so yeah, just much more intentional, um, giving her opportunities to, you know, um, just change her attitudes and, uh, work, work things out a little bit more. Um, you know, I have been more intentional about spanking. You know, I don't spank a lot, but, uh, you know, I thought spanking was just like a smack on the butt and there you go. But it's just so much more of the sitting down, explaining the process, giving the punishment, and then caring for them after. And, you know, that never, I've never been punished that way in my life. You know, spanking was a spanking, that was it. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, it's just so much more intentional. I can see the growth from her in that process too. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's been huge. Wow. It's been really, really huge. And I can see the growth in her coming to church and the things she hears and the things we talk about, you know, and we, we do daily devotions in the morning before school and things too. And she doesn't interact a lot with them, but she's taking more from that than I actually realize, you know, because I get frustrated. Like, you can't tell me one thing I just read to you, you know, and she's like, 
I heard God. Uh, that's a good start. Yeah. yeah. I have four kids, and that's, yeah. yep. I, yeah, <laughs> the same, I, I, like, I really? Experiences. <laughs> yeah. I'll say after church on Sunday, hey, hey, boys, what did Dad talk about this morning? Uh, yeah. Uh, Jesus? Yeah. 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 It's, a safe, it's a safe bet. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, but I can totally just see in conversation she brings up and then things she says like uh, pretty early on when we were going to church one time I got a call and she was at her mom's and she said, Dad, can you pray with me before I go to bed? Wow. You know, because that was a practice we started and, uh, you know, I was like, I was downtown at Piggott in the park with uh, some, some of my family members and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like off in the back and there, you know, there's a band playing and I'm trying to do this prayer and, you know, it was, but it was just so, so kind. And she just did that recently too. I was dropping her off and we were driving and she's like, can you pray for me for this weekend? Mm. I'm like, yeah, that's, wow. that's great. So wow. we get to do those prayers in the car and stuff. So yeah. cool. So, so let me, let me ask one quick question. So you, you came to GCF for the gospel of John series. Mm-hmm. Um, when when was the first time you heard the gospel, and what were your initial thoughts when you heard it? Yeah, good question. That's actually a little bit harder. I mean, it, it was like so subtle, but so immediate at the same time. And so um, what I do remember is the free book I got, Gentle and Lowly. So I said, I'm going to start working through this. Uh, so the first thing that struck me in that, and I said this in my testimony, um, you know, come to me and I will not cast you out. That was the first thing I heard. And I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful because I've never been good enough. You know, the drug addict, the, you know, child out of wedlock and just constantly lowering the bar. And so it's like, you know, no matter what, come to me and I won't cast you out. That was pretty huge. And so at that same time, we were having conversations. I was having conversations with John and I just remember going into Thomas Hammer, not a believer, and leaving Thomas Hammer and interested in the gospel and the truth and finding out more about it. So, um, yeah. So it was in that transition, then the sermon affected me different after mm. that. And that was probably about January a year ago, right? Roughly there. So C.S. Lewis tells a famous story of, of his conversion. And he says, I, I don't know when I was saved, but I got on a bus and rode for a half hour. When I got off the bus, I was different. Mm. I don't know what happened, but... Yeah. In that in that half hour bus ride, God did something. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like for you it was the Thomas Hammer experience. It was. Yeah. It definitely was because it was like you know, instead of trying to resist the gospel and justify why I shouldn't be following Christ, it was like, how can I follow Christ? Mm. How can I grow in this? How can mm. I put myself out there a little bit more? And yeah. Anything else you guys want to ask? Um, you want to just briefly. So Riley and I have been going weekly to an addiction center in town. Any, I really don't have a great question other than, can you just share what that experience has been like and um, how God is working in you uh, yeah. as we as we show up there? Yeah, definitely. That has been a great experience. Super grateful to be doing that. Um, you know, look forward to continuing doing it. Uh, for me, I w- it was very vulnerable. For me to go in there you know a new believer you know I, i'll be completely i haven't even finished the entire bible you know i'm so mm-hmm. going through all the old testament i read the new testament and all that but i'm gonna have it done i'm doing a bible in a year and i'm on track so <laughs> nice. um, but uh yeah so it, it's been good um you know just seeing people in that in that hopeful stage of recovery 
uh, for them, you know, it's just, it's just really encouraging. And, you know, sometimes we'll go in and we'll have one or two people come into our group and sometimes we'll get the entire group. Um, and so it's just cool for them to hear and, and it's all different ranges. And, uh, you know, it's not like when they say, oh, well, this is my belief. We're like, that's wrong. You know, it's just like, how can we encourage you today? You know, here's Jesus in action. Um, you know, what prayers can we say for you? What are you struggling with? Um, so it's just really cool. Um, you know, I would love to see more of those people leave that detox and attend our church. Um, in our case, I think one person yeah. has been my experience, yeah, you so know, far. so, yeah. you know, um, just really hopeful for that. And I just want to be more intentional about my prayers for them after that, you know, and so I do pray a couple times after we exit that detox, but that continued prayer out. So I've been intentional this last few weeks writing the names down because I do have a difficult time remembering them, you know, and then being intentional about prayer. So yeah, just praying for them because uh, there's just so much hope there. Um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 really a privilege to be there. Yeah. One one thing I want to say about Riley. So as you've shared your story today, even mm-hmm. it just seems like the dots are being connected for me. Like the Lord has put in you leadership. I mean, really leadership, just a a capability to, to lead people, to, to manage. And I I remember early on when you came to the addiction center, you would open your mouth and I would just go, man, that's really, really good. (laughs) And, and just your willingness to, I mean, most of the time he's leading those meetings now. And, um, and just watching him, his willingness to step out in faith, walk in faith, even even stuff that maybe you're not exactly sure how this is going to turn out. But I've really been encouraged just get to know you. And yeah. and, and God has put leadership in you. I've, I've seen that. And so, appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Well, Riley, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Very, very encouraging to hear about God's grace in your life. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to Flock Talk, a ministry of GCF North. GCF North exists to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, evangelism, discipleship, and community. To learn more, go to our website, gcfnorthspokane.org.